Now eating at McDonald's gets you the biggest break ever. I want it! It's the Monopoly game, only at McDonald's. With over 50 million prizes, it's super-sized excitement. I want a Don Piper! Shopping sprees, cruises, Sega Game Gear with Sonic Triple Trouble. Get a game piece on these favorites, like a medium soft drink. Win big instantly, or collect a Monopoly and win. So go directly to McDonald's and eat, play, win. A million bucks! Have you had your drink today? Iceberg, it's on the surface, baby. Episode 5. Your host this week, myself, Lee. We will dive into the world of pop culture very shortly. But first, the official energy drink of this here episode will be the Pacific Punch Monster. A great uh, Tahiti treat flavored uh, beverage, if you will. Much better than the Fruit Punch available over at Rockstar. I used to love Rockstar, but man, I feel their, their flavor selection is lacking in recent years. The original, I had an original Rockstar last week. I don't know why. Seeking Oblivion took a sip, and uh, no, no, I think a, a standard Red Bull is actually uh, ranking a little higher than that for me now. A certain je ne sais quoi, the citrus, I don't know what it is about that regular rock star, but I do not care for it any longer. Haven't had a Red Bull in forever either. I digress. There's some deaths to talk about. Prince Philip, the Queen's husband, Husband. I guess they are. Are they married? Or is it like a, an Oprah St Stedman situation? Haven't heard about that guy in a while. Anyway, Prince Philip passed away. Uh, he's, he's looked like a corpse for most of my life, but now he is uh, certifiably one. And uh, DMX, the rapper, uh, has passed away uh, due to a heart attack. I think it was initially reported as like a drug overdose and the man was in a coma and uh, passed away a few days later. What can you say about DMX? A icon of the late 90s. Lots of hits, both in the music world and, of course, the movie world. Party Up, up in here. 2003, you might remember Where the Hood At. I certainly do. Uh, as someone frequenting You're the Mound Now Dog back then, that was certainly a song that appeared in many uh, animated gifts there. Uh, X Gonna Give It To You, of course. Of course, The Growling. How could you? Man, this man has sold over 74 million records worldwide, which is more than Prince Philip, last I checked. Conspiracy theorists, of course, pouring in that those two men are the same guy. Why not? Oh, almost exactly 50 years uh, apart in age. Anyway, this man, uh, as I said, sold 74 million records worldwide. He had plenty of cash to get in trouble with. And I hearken back, uh, no better way to eulogize the man than to go to his Wikipedia and see that, yes, in fact, the fourth section in the contents of the Wikipedia for DMX, Darkman X, Earl Simmons, uh, legal trouble is uh, the fourth content, and it has more entries than any other uh, here, including his musical career, his personal life, etc. Uh, so I would like to bring up the Wikipedia here, and one last time, uh, while it's the most uh, in bad taste, to talk about this man's uh, uh, career in, in prison, it's insane. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but there was a, a string of years where he would get out of jail... And he would either immediately start, like, dogfighting or driving under the influence or illegally. Like, this man this man have no one around him. That could, Jesus Christ. Uh, DMX has been to jail 30 times for various offenses, including robbery, assault, carjacking, animal cruelty, reckless driving, driving under the influence, unlicensed driving, drug possession, probation violation, failure to pay child support, pretending to be a federal agent, and tax evasion. DMX... I believe, has 15 children to his name. 15 children he knows about, anyway, or acknowledges. Uh, that, that is how many children this man has. He, is, he has half as many children as times he's been to jail. Uh, which I guess scales, really. You could be to jail six times and have three children. Be to jail twice and have one kid. Uh, but this man has been to jail three times. And I'm doing this... Uh, 
not as a, a public service. Uh, listen, uh, all the best to him and his family. He's 15 fucking kids. I uh, hope they're well off. hope this man has managed to squirrel some stuff away for them over the years. That cradle to the grave money, so to speak. Uh, but I'd like to just give you a taste of this man's arrest record. And we have to take the good and the bad. We have to understand that DMX was a troubled individual. And uh, it's it's actually quite sad that that no one was there to, to help him kind of correct his ways. Or if, or if this was the darkness... Uh, that this this guy was gonna have like that this man was destined to die young is basically what I'm saying uh, li- living a life like this uh, and it's uh we'll miss you DMX in 1986 he was first sent to prison after stealing a dog from a junkyard sentenced to two years in juvenile unit uh, stealing it okay uh, however just weeks after starting his sentence he and his cellmate successfully escaped prison. DMX returned home until his mother forced him to turn himself in and finish the sentence, which he did in the McCormick Juvenile Detention Center in Brooktondale, New York. Simmons was sent to prison again in 1988 for carjacking and was later moved to a higher security prison after attempting to extort a fellow inmate for drugs. He was released in the summer of 1988. So in terms of a man you don't want to fuck with, uh, DMX is probably probably that. He... he, he casually escaped prison. It's glossed over in this article. Like, yeah, he his, his cellmate decided to fucking break out of there. I guess it was a juvenile detention center. So maybe they're... Woodfield Prison in Valhalla, New York. Juvenile unit. So maybe they don't have snipers on the watchtowers waiting to see the fucking DMX. Get, fucking shoot him! Uh, 1998 to 1999, when the officers of the Fort Lee Police Department... So he, he actually managed to get a decade of, of uh, Scott, Scott Free... Uh, when, when officers in the Fort Lee Police Department executed a search of his home in 1999, DMX promptly surrendered himself on weapons possession charges. This is when the man was becoming famous, making that, making that money. DMX faced a 1999 animal cruelty charge in Teaneck, New Jersey, after a dozen pit bulls were found at his home there. The charge was dismissed after the performer agreed to accept responsibility and record public service announcements for the animal rights group. So he learned his lesson, clearly. 2000 to 2005 and 2000, DMX served a 15-day jail sentence for possession of marijuana. Fuck that. That, okay, we're taking one jail sentence off of DMX's record. He's at 29 now. Uh, Take that off the fucking record. Get those people out of prison. Jesus Christ. DMX served another jail sentence in 2001 for driving without a license and possession of marijuana. We'll take off a half jail sentence. He's at 28.5. His appeal to reduce the sentence was denied. Rather, uh, he was charged with assault for throwing objects at prison guards. Fucking, fucking badass. In January 2002, DMX pleaded guilty in New Jersey to 13 counts of animal cruelty, two counts of maintaining a nuisance, okay, and one count each of disorderly contact and possession of drug paraphernalia. He eventually plea bargained down to fines, probation, and community service and starred in a public service announcement against the dangers of guns and animal abuse. Uh, Five years later, or or this this isn't even five years ago, this was two fucking years later. It's like, can I just do the commercials about not hurting animals again? Yeah, sure. Uh, in June 2004, DMX was arrested at John F. Kennedy International Airport on charges of cocaine possession, criminal impersonation, criminal possession of a weapon, criminal mischief, menacing, and driving under the influence of drugs or alcohol while claiming to be a federal agent and attempting to carjack a vehicle. He was given a condition discharge, uh, conditional discharge on December 8th, 2004, but pleaded guilty on October 25th, 2005 for violating parole. On November 18, 2005, DMX was sentenced to 70 days in jail at Rikers Island for violating parole. The lateness charge added a 10-day extension to the original 60-day sentence. DMX was released early for good behavior on December 30, 2005. So he's just at the airport. Like, listen, I-, I hate standing in the taxi line, too, at the airport. But you can't just throw on a pair of Ray-Bans and be like, I'm a fucking federal agent giving your vehicle. Uh, and the guy's like, aren't you DMX? It's insane that during everything I just read, that last five years is when this guy was making the most cheddar. That he he's just a whirling dervish of cash and, and law-breaking. Uh, in 2007, DMX's home was raided on reports of animal cruelty. No further notes on that uh, entry. Uh, on May 9th, 2008, DMX was arrested on drug and animal cruelty charges after attempting to barricade himself inside his Cave Creek, Arizona home. DMX pleaded guilty to charges of drug possession, theft, and animal cruelty stemming from the August 2007 drug raid, as well as the May 2008 arrest at a hearing on December 30th, 2008. He was sentenced to 90 days in jail on January 31st, 2009. So we're, we're catching up to the podcast now. We're catching up to the original Tits of the Iceberg. DMX would have been heading into jail 
uh, for the, what is this, the 10th time or something? On May 22nd, 2009, DMX entered a plea agreement, change of plea, and pleaded guilty to attempted aggravated assault in jail. DMX doesn't just, he gets, he commit like, he's just getting in tussles, he's getting in, he's throwing chairs at guards while he's in prison, but he was released on good behavior back in 2005. Uh, after serving four out of six months for violating drug probation, DMX was released from jail on July 6, 2010. That day, a television pilot was filmed to portray his road to recovery. However, DMX was arrested three weeks later, and the pilot did not evolve into a series. Maybe instead of filming a pilot to portray his road to recovery, someone should have fucking gotten this man on a road to recovery. I don't, I don't know. Uh, this man, he needs DDP yoga or some, some shit. I don't... On July 27, 2010, DMX turned himself into Los Angeles Metropolitan Court for a reckless driving charge he received in 2002. He was sentenced to serve 90 days in jail. A lot of 90 days, a lot of 60 days uh, for that kind of stuff. I guess because he's able to pay bail or how does that... He's got money. Like, he's got money in the bank during all this. You have to remember, I guess, as far as I know. Uh, on November 19, 2010, DMX was arrested in uh, Miyakopa County, uh, Arizona, on charges of violating probation from a February 24, 2009 aggravated assault on an officer while he was incarcerated. On December 20, 2010, DMX was moved to the mental health unit of the Arizona Alhambra State Prison and released in the summer that year. On uh, August 24, 2011, DMX was arrested a tenth time. Here we go. Uh, Maricopa County. This time for speeding, he recorded two, uh, 102 miles per hour in a 65 per hour zone. Reckless driving and driving with a suspended license while DMX admitted to speeding. He claimed he was driving only 85 miles per hour. <laughs> what a weird anecdote. But no anecdote on him, his house being raided for the eighth time. On uh, February 13th, 2013, DMX was arrested in uh, Spartanburg, North uh, South Carolina, for driving without a driver's license. On uh, July 26th, 2013, DMX was arrested again in Greenville County, South Carolina, and charged with driving under the influence of alcohol, as well as driving without a license. On August 20th, 2013, DMX was arrested again in Greer, South Carolina, during a traffic stop after a car uh, he was a passenger in, made an improper U-turn. He was arrested due to an outstanding warrant for driving under suspension. Four packages of marijuana were also found in the vehicle, and he, along with the driver, were cited for them. On November 4th, 2013, DMX was again arrested in Greenville Spartanburg International Airport. Police near Greer, South Carolina, uh, yeah, after police who were familiar with his prior arrest noticed DMX behind the wheel of a vehicle at the terminal, DMX was booked on charges of driving with a suspended license. The cops recognized DMX just in the street, the, the fucking Greer Police Department. Is just like, is that DMX? Is he behind? Is he driving that Escalade? We'll fucking arrest him. Jesus Christ. Having an uninsured vehicle and driving an unlicensed vehicle. He was subsequently released after spending three years, three hours in jail. What the fuck? Uh, April 5th, 2015, a man charged DMX of robbing him. On June 26, 2015, DMX was arrested in New York, charged with robbery of uh, uh, in Newark, New Jersey, and failure to pay child support. In Ju July 14, 2015, DMX was sentenced to six years in jail for a failure to pay $400,000 in child support. On December 14, 2015, an arrest warrant was issued for DMX after he missed a court hearing to address child support issues with his ex-wife, uh, Tashira Simmons, and their four children. In July 2017, DMX was charged with 14 counts Federal counts of tax fraud. Uh, federal prosecutors charged him with failing to file income tax returns from 2010 to 2015, a period when he earned at least $2.3 million. DMX pleaded guilty to a single count of tax fraud in uh, November 2017. DMX was originally free pending sentencing, but was remanded to jail in January 2018 after leaving a drug treatment program ordered by the court and relapsing with cocaine and oxycodone. Oh boy, in uh, March 2018, Judge Jed, not relevant, uh, sentenced DMX to one year in prison, followed by three years of supervised release. Hey, I'll drive. No, DMX, D no, you're not going to drive. The, the cops fucking know you. Uh, the court was has ordered uh, DMX to pay $2.29 million in restitution to the government. He was released from prison on January 25th, 2019, and was not... Uh, arrested after that. He's been addicted to crack cocaine since he was 14. 
Uh, after Reddy Ron tricked him into smoking a marijuana cigarette laced with the drug, he also said uh, that he had bipolar disorder. DMX entered drug rehabilitation several times in 2002, 2017, 2019 when he canceled concerts. On February 10, 2016, Simmons was found unresponsive in an Armada Inn parking lot in Yonkers, New York. He was resuscitated by first responders and intravenously given Narcan, an opiate reversal drug. He uh, responded quickly to Narcan and became... My phone is, is vibrating. Uh, quickly to Narcan and became self, uh, semi-conscious. Simmons also subsequently rushed to the hospital. A witness said he ingested some type of substance before collapsing, but police found no illegal substances on the property. Uh, Simmons stated that it was an asthma attack. On uh, April 2nd, 2021, at approximately 11 p.m., Simmons was rushed to White Plains Hospital, where he was reported to be in critical condition following a heart attack at his home, uh, possibly resulting from drug overdose. The next day, his attorney, uh, Murray Richmond, confirmed that Simmons was on life support. That same night, Simmons suffered cerebral hypoxia as paramedics attempted to resuscitate him for 30 minutes. Simmons' former manager, Nakia Walker, said that he was in a vegetative state and lung and brain failure... Uh, with lung and brain failure and no current brain activity. His manager, Steve Rifkind, stated Simmons was comatose and that he was to set to go undergo tests to determine his brain's functionality. And his family will determine what is best from here. On April 9, 2021, Earl Simmons was pronounced dead at the age of 50. Rest in peace, DMX. A troubled soul. A very sad story. Uh, of, of fame. And, uh... And you can take the, uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. It's sad. Uh, that might be the last time I ever read his, his arrest, uh, record. Maybe wait a few months and then bust that out at, at a, at a bonfire of your own. Uh, because it is, it is a read. It's, uh, it's pretty fantastical. So, RIP to him. McDonald's. No, we're not talking about fast food this week. But, uh, I do find asking people what, what nugget sauce they feel is default to be quite interesting. Think in these parts, in the prairies, in the prairie provinces, sweet and sour is the uh, is the go-to. Hot mustard, of course, I believe is is universally, uh, or maybe maybe more so in the United States, considered the standard nugget sauce. If you ordered nuggets and they, you didn't ask for a sauce, that hot mustard might be what you're getting. Of course, they have a, they've they've diversified uh, since then. I digress. McDonald's monopoly. I think this is such an interesting story. Uh, and apparently others do too, because th there's there's a movie being made about it. Uh, but I only recently learned of the huge fraud case with the M McDonald's Monopoly peel-off tokens. And I don't know if they've made this... So, like, Tim Hortons has recently moved Roll Up the Rim to, like, an online thing. Which is, like, kind of... Remember you used to get a Pepsi? You go to 7-Eleven, you get a Pepsi. And under the cap, you could immediately win another Pepsi. What a boon. Or uh, you go to the vending machine in your school and you get a Pepsi. Or, or any drink. And uh, you get that free drink and you can immediately go walk down the street to the 7-Eleven or whatever and redeem that shit. Those were the golden golden days. No longer. Eventually they started adding like Pepsi points and, and points under the cap. Uh, but then people could see what was there and redeem that without having to buy the drink. And it was uh, that was basically the end of that. Uh, and I don't know in terms of sales. It, like, d did the opportunity to win a second Pepsi mean you bought more Pepsi? No, probably not. And uh, I feel the best form of gambling is the one with free entry. Uh, so the McDonald's Monopoly is, is you know, win a mountain bike, but I'm just buying my McDonald's. Does it mean I buy an extra burger to get those extra Monopoly pieces? Probably fucking not. And also, there are instant winners still with Monopoly pieces at McDonald's, uh, which is really cool. You can still win a burger or a muffin or something and immediately pull back through the drive-thru and demand it and just keep that shit rolling. However, of course, there are bigger prizes. There are million-dollar prizes. There are vehicles to be won. There's all kinds of shit in that McDonald's Monopoly, and it's been going on for years and years and years. And, of course, everybody plays it, and they're like, oh, man, I'm one, one piece away. Yeah, obviously you're one piece away. You ever pull a pull tab before or go to VLT? It makes you feel like you're getting close, so you keep, you keep going. In the case of McDonald's, that's ordering another Big Mac. So maybe from a health standpoint, it's not the best way to go. But... I digress once more. Apparently, uh, there was a huge fraud case where the winning tickets, of course, there are a few of them, say uh, you had boardwalk, but you needed park place or, or vice versa, whatever it was to win the grand prize. There were only certain tokens and they were hand delivered, uh, sprinkled throughout the lands. And therein lies the rub. In 2001, 
The U.S. promotion was halted after fraud was uncovered. A subcontracting company, Simon Marketing, which had been hired by McDonald's to organize and promote the game, failed to recognize a flaw in its procedures. Chief of Security, Jerome P. Jacobson, was able to remove the most valuable game pieces, which he then passed to associates who would redeem them and share the proceeds. Uh-oh. Jacobson justified his long-running multi-million dollar crime as being his reaction to executives rerunning randomized draws to ensure high-level prizes went to areas of the United States rather than Canada. Though he did not take the stolen pieces to Canada to rectify this supposed problem, choosing instead to personally gain by selling the pieces. That's... He tried to, like, take a high road. He tried to, like, come out on top of this. By going like, yeah, I've I've stolen millions. I've misrepresented our company and McDonald's and the and of course the great game of Monopoly uh, by doing this. But it's because you fucked Canada, and uh, there's no unfucking Canada once you do. I I could take these pieces and had had he sprinkled them around Canada, what, what? <laughs> whatever. That's crazy. That's crazy too. I didn't know that. I didn't know about the Canada thing. I just thought he he was doing the rest of the stuff. He began stealing winning game pieces after a supplier mistakenly provided him a sheet of the anti-tamper seals needed to secretly make the swap. Jacobson sold the winning pieces for a percentage of the winnings in advance initially to friends and family, but expanding nationwide after a chance meeting at the Atlanta airport between him and Gennaro Jerry Colombo of the Colombo crime family. 2005, Colombo appeared in a nationally televised McDonald's commercial promoting his fraudulent win of a Dodge Viper. In 2005, St. Jude's Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee, received an anonymous uh, letter postmarked Dallas, Texas, which contained a 1 million uh, winning game piece. Okay. <laughs> game rules prohibited the transfer of prizes but mcdonald's chose to follow through by treating the one million as a donation to the hospital making the final fifty thousand uh annuity payment in 2014 okay so they paid it in, in installments investigations later well mcdonald's is not good for a million dollars come on now uh, investigations later indicated that jacobson had admitted uh to sending the winning piece to the hospital in june 2000 that was like his He's going to come clean. He's got $2 million in the bank himself, but he's like, well, if I give something to the kids, then Peter lets me through the gates in heaven. Uh, in June 1996, Columbo's father-in-law, William Buddy Fisher, cashed in a stolen $1 million Monopoly piece. Jerry Columbo died in a traffic accident in 1998, so Jacobson found new accomplices to help him sell the stolen winning prize tabs. Jacobson's uh, associates won almost all of the top prizes, including cash and cars between 1999 and 2000, including McDonald's giveaways that did not have the Monopoly theme. Hatch, match, and win? When the USA wins, you win? Disney's Masterpiece Collection Trivia Challenge at McDonald's? Who wants to be a millionaire game? Win on the spot and others. The associates netted over $24 million, while the fraud appeared to have been perpetrated by only one key uh, employee of the promotion company and not by the company's management. Eight people were originally arrested. Soon growing to 21 uh, indicted individuals with members of the Colombo crime family uh, believed to have been involved in the fraud at some point. By the end of the criminal prosecutions, 53 people were indicted, of whom 48 pled guilty, 46 uh, in pre-trial plea agreements, while two others changed their plea from not guilty to guilty during their trials. The relationship between McDonald's and Simon Marketing broke down uh, into a pair of lawsuits over breach of contract, eventually settled out of court with the claims of McDonald's being thrown out, uh, with the claim of McDonald's being thrown out and Simon receiving $16.6 million. What? Due to the constitutional violation by which it was confirmed that they did not know Jacobson and then and thus did not know that the winning game pieces oddly given to them by Jacobson's recruiters were necessarily stolen. Four of the winners convicted of fraud had their convictions reversed on appeal. Interesting. Jacobson pleaded guilty to three counts of mail fraud in federal court in Jacksonville, Florida which is where we'll be talking about AEW Dynamite in a moment, and served three years in federal prison. The trial began on September 10th, 2001, but was overshadowed in the media by the September 11th attacks. There should almost be a Wikipedia article that's just huge news stories that just fucking melted away uh, when September 11th happened. It was crazy. Um, there was a murder trial or something. I can't remember the names even. That kind of goes to prove my point. But also it was 20 years ago. So what the fuck... Uh, in August 2018, 20th Century Fox announced, back when they were 20th Century Fox and not just Disney, uh, announced plans uh, for the film based on the Jacobson trial with Ben Affleck, uh, then attached as director. 
Uh, I think that would be a really, really neat uh, basis for a movie, especially when you consider there's like a, a mob family involved and it, it spans so many years. I think that would be vastly interesting uh, as a as a dramatized movie. Anyway, that's some crazy, crazy shit. Uh, the fact that the guy was partially doing it for personal gain and partially being like a Robin Hood about it, uh, or at least claimed to be, is kind of interesting. I, I'm more confused that his his associates won almost all of the top prizes, including cash and cars. How they couldn't trace that back. But I guess if he if he's the, the one to be tracing it back, then, eh, you know? Like, I know people who worked at Oprah, <coughs> if you were like a cousin of a grip, at Oprah, you couldn't you you couldn't attend the shows where they were giving stuff away or something. I don't fuck. I have no fucking idea. Anyways, this is really really interesting stuff. And if you're ever wondering why you didn't win that million dollars back in the '90s with uh, McDonald's Monopoly, this might be it. Oh, that's right. It's the wrestling portion of the show. Normally, we just talk about AEW Dynamite from this previous week, but going to do something a little different today, since I managed to see a little bit of it and have some thoughts on WrestleMania 37 from Tampa, Florida. They were fighting with the weather all weekend. Thunderstorms both days delayed the uh, first night of WrestleMania. And of course, it is now two nights of nonstop action. Uh, not to be confused with TNA. They, uh, they basically started the show like, yeah, here we go. And then decided to tell everybody, no, 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 fuck off again. Lightning is dangerous. We'll be back in 40 minutes, allowing uh, some of the wrestlers to cut unscripted promos. And it was probably some of the best promos of the lead up to WrestleMania, allowing these guys to tell the story their own way. Vince McMahon appears on stage, welcomes fans back to the arena, stadium, whatever you want to call it. And it's uh, it's a lot of people in one place. It's, uh, I don't know if what, what football had. I don't know what... Uh, Super Bowl had in attendance 25,000 tickets sold out uh, to the show for day one. I do not believe anywhere near that amount of people were there. Apparently on night two, uh, it was a little more shoulder to shoulder. But yeah, it's it's a, it's a mass of humanity. It's WrestleMania. It's what you expect. A few more people wearing uh, masks than usual. But hey, what can you say? It's Florida. Uh, what, what can we say about the matches? Well, first and foremost, uh, Hulk Hogan and Titus O'Neil are hosting this thing. And rightfully so, Hulk Hogan is booed out of the building anytime he appeared. So good on you, Tampa, for that. Bobby Lashley defeated Drew McIntyre in the opening match to retain the WWE Universal Championship. Well, what's the matter with this, you ask? Well, a lot. Is the matter with this? This is the first match back with fans in over a year. And they've botched this road to WrestleMania so bad, so to speak, that we end up with the heel retaining in the opening match. Couldn't have a fun babyface goes over story to, to bring wrestlers, uh, to bring uh, fans back to the, to the arena kind of thing. Or have Drew McIntyre go over Lashley. If Lashley is in fact to win and retain and or win the championship, then so be it. I mean, it's been beaten to death elsewhere. But Miz getting involved with the, the briefcase and everything that led up to this and it changing hands did nothing for anyone involved. Miz is back to being a jobber, losing on this very show to Bad Bunny. And uh, hiding behind his wife on Raw yesterday. Uh, it w so he got the championship from Drew. He beats Drew. Lashley beats Miz. That does nothing for Lashley. Miz is a, a, a geek. Now, Bobby beats Drew, but Drew is no longer the champion. And has most recently lost to, to Miz. It, it's meaningless. It, this means nothing for anyone. Uh, the match was, was fine. There's nothing wrong with a Bobby Lashley-Drew McIntyre match. Hell, that should be... Uh, people should be showing up for that. But goddamn, did they... Go out of their way to make sure nothing about this was interesting and the entire thing was confusing uh, from a booking point of view. We had a clusterfuck, uh, to put it lightly. Uh, Naomi and Lana versus Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke versus The Riot Squad versus Natalia and Tamina versus Billy Kay and Carmella. Just to remind you all that Bailey did not wrestle on this show. Now go back and listen to all those names I read out loud. Uh, Natalia and Tamina won this one. And they go on to face uh, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax the following night, I believe, is the is what's going on there. Cesaro versus Seth Rollins talking about matches that should have gone on first. Give the people a little shot in the arm for the rest of the show. Cesaro beats Seth Rollins here and gets his first WrestleMania victory. Certainly not his first WrestleMania match, but uh, he did a, did a UFO spin. He, he spun the guy. He spun the guy. 
And he won. WWE Raw Tag Team Championship. The New Day. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods lose to AJ Styles and Omos. Omos is the gargantuan body... Uh, body... What am I looking for? What is it? Bodyguard? Bodyguard. Jesus Christ. Word left my brain. Uh, bodyguard of AJ Styles here. He gets a uh, hot tag and, and does some big man spots. Destroys them. Is super over with the crowd. And that's that. Braun Strowman... Fights Shane McMahon for everyone who has ever been called an idiot. His own words. Uh, this match, I think, was better than anyone expected it to be. Uh, and they had a steel cage-ass steel cage match. Uh, Shane McMahon, of course, fell off the top of it. Because he ha he's drawn to it like a moth to a flame. This man has to fall off the top of the damn thing. And uh, Braun Strowman wins here for everyone who's ever been called an idiot. Good for him. We had like a... Class of 2020 Hall of Fame thing, I think, here. Who cares? Uh, Bad Bunny and Damian Priest versus The Miz and John Morrison. Damian Priest is very injured, I believe, at the moment. So Bad Bunny uh, was in the ring for most of it for uh, for his team there. The Miz and John Morrison carried this guy to what I feel is one of the better celebrity matches ever at WrestleMania. Pretty interesting, that. WWE SmackDown Women's Championship, Sasha Banks uh, versus Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair goes over here, wins the championship. And that's that. That was night one. Meh. Meh. What's on night two? The Fiend, Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton. Let's talk about The Fiend. I don't think I'd talk about The Fiend enough. The Fiend's awful. Uh, the Bray Wyatt thing where he came back and he had the, the Funhouse, and then he had the Alter Ego, which is the monster. That's all fine. That's pro wrestling, baby. That's all good. Uh, where this fails is it's gone on for so long and they've applied so much different mythos to The Fiend that it, you can't keep track of it anymore. So they've folded Alexa Bliss into this thing uh, in, in the most perverted way possible. And, uh, like pl playing a little girl character who's like been been taken by the feet taken under the wing of the the fiend shown the she's evil he 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 is evil randy orton's just involved with this because randy orton will fucking do anything you tell him to for a paycheck and uh my my problem with the fiend period is the inconsistency with the character and the powers the thing uh and i'm gonna i'm gonna say that it's done even better in a movie called the bye bye man as dumb as the rules for that monster are there are rules uh, you know what he is capable of. You know w what his his area of expertise is. The Fiend doesn't have that. The Fiend is like impervious to damage, but also makes people bleed goo or cough up blood. I don't know what the Fiend does. And it's awful. And Bray Wyatt is not enough of a pro wrestler to, to, <laughs> to put the Fiend over in the ring, in my opinion. This was awful and more or less a uh, squash. But why they put this on first, could you imagine being a Peacock subscriber or something and being like, WrestleMania night two, Sunday night? Uh, the, the traditional night WrestleMania is on. More people are in the arena. More people are, are uh, undoubtedly watched the second night. I haven't seen any numbers, but I just have to know that's the case. And uh, this is what they tune in to see. This is the first thing they see. Completely ridiculous. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler versus Natalia and Tamina. Tamina gets some cheers here in a super over. I like that. She is. Uh, she gets a beating constantly <laughs> online and everything else. But here against Nia Jax, Tamina's fucking over. Why, why the hell not? Um... Natalia got kneed in the face. Uh, didn't lose a tooth, uh, but did put a tooth through her upper lip. So hopefully she is uh, recovering. Uh, Natalia holding this fucking division of, of women together here. Uh, and they had an, an okay match, from what I understand. Kev Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, a match I do intend to actually go watch in its entirety. Uh, I believe there was a YouTuber involved with this. Logan Paul or something gets stunned at the end. But anyways, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn... Uh, by their own accord, have had nearly 700 to 800 matches. They stopped counting, having known each other so long and worked so close in proximity. Uh, those guys will always... Uh, it's kind of like the the un most underrated match of the card. It's just like we got a, a Kevin owens Sami Zayn match on this WrestleMania card just to, to hold it all together. United States champion Riddle, Matt Riddle, versus Sheamus. And, of course, Sheamus... Uh, needs the push. We need to. We need to make sure Sheamus gets the gold here. Uh, so this was all fucked up because of Keith Lee. Uh, Matt Riddle was never meant to be the champion, and God knows they did nothing to ensure that he could possibly get over as champion. Writing him as a fucking idiot, top to bottom. So I hope you're happy with your paycheck, Matt Riddle, because you look like an idiot. Sheamus wins the U.S. title here and can hand it off to whomever's next. Intercontinental Championship. Big E versus Apollo Crews in a, in a Nigerian drum fight. What? Anyways, uh, Apollo Crews gets the the win here. Uh, there was uh, 
a, a Dabakoto run-in? Something else. And the uh, the New Day are big losers here, losing uh, all the gold in their stable. Raw Women's Champion Asuka versus Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley wins here. Asuka is pinned. No Becky Lynch showing up on this show. People thought there was going to be be something like that. I don't think this, like, Rhea like, so you call in Rhea Ripley, let's say, to replace a, maybe Becky was your first choice, maybe Charlotte was your second choice, and here we are with Rhea Ripley, so if you're going to put her in this match, yeah, she has to win, but unfortunately that means when Becky comes back, she can't straight up just tell Asuka, I need to fight you for my belt back, and it can get interesting from then on. No, the booking will now be a three-way, or, uh, Charlotte was already on Raw last night, so, already maybe inserted herself into this program. Anyhow, Universal Championship three-way Roman Reigns versus Edge versus Daniel Bryan. Lo and behold, in front of fans, Edge is over. People want to see Edge win. And I'll be honest with you, in the story of this match, Edge is the babyface regardless of how he was booked. Uh, this man comes back after uh, after how many years, told he would, he would never wrestle again. Uh, he he's, he's just not working for someone. It's, it's in a Thunderdome. They can tell what is being cheered and what is being booed. But I digress. Uh, Roman Reigns, over as a heel, they booed him here the right way at this WrestleMania. And suddenly it's decided that, well, Edge is, is not doing it as a babyface. We will heel turn him. He is so desperate to get the, his hands on the gold here uh, that he will do it by any means necessary, in turning, uh, and including turning to heel tactics. Only in the story... Yes, Edge, turn to heel tactics. You're getting fucked here. Your, your, your chances at the championship have gone from a one-on-one match to a three-way. It makes sense. Uh, so Daniel Bryan's here to, to hold this whole thing together. And uh, Roman Reigns pins both men. And hopefully this doesn't come back as, a, well, technically, Edge was the meat of the sandwich and pinned Daniel Bryan uh, first. I why wouldn't the ref count? They've done tons of stuff in pro wrestling where someone is fucking out cold. Uh, they just did it with the Kenny Omega uh, spot in this uh, AEW Dynamite I'm about to dig into. Where you drag someone else onto someone else and then they then the ref counts the pin. Usually someone else has to tell him to. But in the case of Edge laying on top of Daniel Bryan, why wouldn't the ref count it? And then Edge can be the champion i i hope to god this doesn't come up on smackdown and they just let it go like roman no roman reigns definitively knocked both of these men unconscious and pinned both of them and there isn't some bullshit like they've been doing with tap outs now where tag team partners are breaking up uh, like tap outs by placing their hand between the tapping hand and the mat that that is that is real dumb and needs to stop immediately holy crap is that bad all right that's the show. Woohoo. Lackluster. Mania, to say the least. Uh, it, what can you say positive about it? Fans are back. That's pretty much all anyone is saying. It's just like, yeah, we got back in front of fans again. Except yesterday again, we're in the Thunderdome and there's no fans. And uh, now, man, I don't know. It's cramming 25,000 people in there, uh, having them that close to the wrestlers and stuff like that. I think we will hear some fallout of that in the coming weeks. But who the fuck knows anymore? That was Mania. In a nutshell. All right. Salton's a slam for Wednesday night, April 7th, 2021. Daily's place in Jacksonville, Florida. JR, Excalibur, and Tony welcome us. The inner circle pull up in a convoy of black vehicles looking fly as hell. Mike Tyson is in the house tonight. It's time for Dynamite. Number one contender for the AEW Championship. Adam Page is out to start things off. Max Caster wraps his way to the ring. The other part of the acclaimed Anthony Bowens grabs the mic to hype him further. He chills with a boombox at ringside and this match is underway. Tony thinks the spicy raps... Get under the skin of opponents and fires them up. Might actually be a detriment to you to come out and rap, make your opponent angry. These men fight to the outside. Adam with a lariat off the barricade. Caster blows a mic drop from the top rope. Hangman rolls out to the outside and prepares for the buckshot. Bowens interferes. Caster continues to stumble around the ring. Page hits the buckshot and pins Caster. One, two, three. The, this spot's kind of interesting because, okay, well, here goes Hangman to, to finish this guy off with the buckshot lariat. Oh, Bowens interferes. And, uh, and the match can continue, only Bones interferes, Hangman shoves him off, and then still has time to hit the buckshot on Caster, who's just stumbling around the ring this entire time. Anyway, Hangman Page is number one contender. Hopefully he gets to contend at some point here. Tony in the ring with a mic, calls the Death Triangle out to the ring. Pack, Penta, and Phoenix appear. Tony tells them that they get a shot at the champs, the Young Bucks, next week. Pixies starts playing and the best friends appear. 
Orange on the mic, Chuck, Trent, and Statlander are with him. Orange speaks slowly, says it's nice to see them in the ring again. The video screen plays footage of Death Triangle murdering Orange Cassidy from a few weeks earlier. Chuck says they remember. Penta and Phoenix fire up in Spanish. Pac grabs the mic. Clearly, boys, you see the writing on the wall. You want a shot at the next tag team champions. Pac says they're far from worthy and that they should get lost. Trent on the mic, he understands... They have to build themselves up, even though the best friends have the most W's of any team in AEW. Says the boys are back in town, and now they have an alien with them too, and Chris Statlander. I'm so happy to hear that Chris Statlander took 11 months off to come back with the exact same gimmick. She hasn't, she hasn't spoken yet, so or, or did she at the, at the last Dynamite? I guess we'll wait and see. Main event tonight, Mox with the Bucks versus Omega and Brothers. Inner Circle appears from the face tunnel. Judas plays, Jericho grabs a mic, he tells the crowd they sound great. They have a lot to say after the break. I'm watching on the Fight TV thing, so I get to see the break. Sammy's doing his card gimmick, the crowd chants his name. Jericho realizes they're not showing it on the big screen, so no one in the arena can actually read the signs that Sammy has. Tells the crowd uh, it's funny and to laugh anyway. Um, Jericho then tells the crowd it's a 30 second warning, they'll be coming back from commercial and to uh, cheer and chant Inner Circle when they do, so that they sound really popular. Face Jericho. His best Jericho. Jericho works the mic. Spray tan is mentioned. He puts over MJF and his accomplishments as a young guy who wants to do better uh, now, though. Uh, what? There's some big shoes to fill. Jericho tells MJF, tells uh, him he better uh, get better than the jobbers first. Jericho runs down each member of the Pinnacle, announces Blood and Guts May 5th, Inner Circle versus Pinnacle. Now, I am giving this a short shrift here. You need to go check out this, this fucking promo. Jericho's absolutely incredible. Looking forward to Blood and Guts. Christian Cage interviewed by Dasha after the break. He says he levels up his competition. Da Taz appears, or Daz, uh, and offers him a spot in his crew. We get a King Kong vs. Godzilla trailer setting up the Jurassic Express vs. Bear Country match. Bowling shoe ugly as JR puts this match. Luchasaurus gets the pin for the win here. QT Marshall has a message for his former friend. Uh, I think like a Cobra Kai angle might have worked a little better here. I'm not entirely sure that's not what they're doing with this. QT Marshall says something about vanilla midgets, and then uh, that he surrounded himself with, with, with men, and calls Cody a bargain bin sting. This is all fine. Everything about this presentation is fine. I just, it's cute. It's motherfucking QT Marshall. Anyway. Excalibur laughs as he tells Tony, we'll, uh, we'll interview uh, Sting next. It's like an inside joke now. Jake the Snake interrupts them. He breaks down the fourth wall and cuts the worst Jake promo we've seen in AEW. Lance Archer comes flying in out of the back, grabs the mic, complains about his lot in life being in the main event to, to just not be again that he should be contending. Sting uh, totally uh, goes above expectations here. He, uh, he, he, he basically agrees with him and pumps him up. Tells him, yeah, you should. Taz and the boys in the back, hook looking swole. They must work together or some shit. We get one of these every week as well. Darby Allen versus J.D. Drake for the TNT Championship. Sting accompanies Darby to the ring. I don't know who the fuck J.D. Drake is, other than he appeared at ringside, I believe, in a Cesar Bononi match last week. Uh, Ryan Nemeth and Cesar Bononi, aforementioned, is out with J.D., who entered during the break. Pretty long match. I don't know that J.D. Drake is meant to be a an enhancement talent. Uh, like him, Ryan Nemeth, and Cesar Bononi are like... The job squad, but they they get five to ten minute matches. Coffin Drop puts this one away for Darby, who defends the TNT Championship here on AEW. Butcher and Blade appear on the ramp to jump Darby, Matt Hardy, and the rest of his clowns accompany them. Bunny begins screaming at the announcers uh, to beat it so they can use the table. Sting and the Dark Order appear to chase Mart Matt Hardy's folks away. The Bunny is left alone. Tay Conti emerges from the Dark Order and tees off on Bunny. Their match is still to come tonight. Rarely do you get a pull-apart or a beatdown like this when a match is, is to come 10 minutes later. Uh, we get a video recap of the Moxley Young Bucks Don Callis Omega kerfuffle so far. When they recap it, it makes a little more sense. When you watch it in real time, there's too much extra stuff on the outside that makes the recap not make sense. The inner circle breaks through a gimmick door. They've been locked in their dressing room. The pinnacle has Jericho alone in the ring. Wardlow is about to put him through a table... Uh, when Iron Mike Tyson's music hits and he appears for the save, the rest of the inner circle arrives moments later. Mike Tyson looking insane, as usual. I'd retreat too. Pinnacle tucks their tails and leaves. Jericho extends his hand. Tyson grabs it. They hug. MJF mouths off uh, safely from the other side of the barricade. I believe Mike Tyson is probably going to get involved in that blood and guts uh, match somehow. 
maybe a KO punch to MJF. We'll see. Tony's with Britt Baker and Reba backstage for a quick promo. And then we have Bunny and the Hardy family making their way to the ring. Take Conti and the Dark Order is out next. Hikaru Shida is in a white suit, also on the ramp, joins the crowd, and brings a kendo stick to the ring, ensuring that everybody will be hit in the head with it. Uh, Take Conti with a bewildered, wide-eyed, like, kind of facial look she does. She's got that, wow! She's got that, that look she does in the ring. It's, it's endearing. Good old Tay Conti. Uh, a distraction at ringside. Bunny nabs Sheeta's kendo stick and whacks Conti. Saw that coming. Sheeta wrestles it away from Bunny. Conti recovers, superplex, drops, and then drops Bunny and pins her. One, two, three. Number one contender for the women's AW Championship, Tay Conti. Next week, Hardy and Darby for the TNT Championship. Bucks defend versus Pac and Phoenix. Olympic medalist Anthony Ogogo, who has allied himself with QT Marshall and his Nightmare Boys, are in the ring. Uh, they'll be, we're going to see some Anthony Ogogo. He's an Olympic medalist. He's not a gold medalist, or I think they would call him that, right? That's how it works. Jade Cargill versus Red Velvet will go one-on-one. That could be good. And, uh, yeah, we get a video recap of that. The main event, Don Callis joins the commentary team. Full disclosure, didn't have time to properly sit through this one prior to recording. Uh, I'm definitely going to see the, the Omega and Matt portion at very least later. Hot tag to Moxie. He clears house initially. Matt refuses to hit a super kick on Kenny, who slaps the shit out of him for it. Matt and Nick hit more bang for, uh, hit more bang for your buck. Matt goes for the pin. Carl Aniston breaks it up. So much emotion, says Tony. Matt keeps checking in on Kenny. No killer instinct or will to win this match from Matt Jackson whatsoever. Nick encourages Matt to join him after, uh, in hitting the BTE trigger on Kenny. They stop the BTE trigger, a move that they used uh, in the in the in the tag match they had a, a couple pay per views ago, right? With with Page and all that. Uh, Moxie gets in the ring and cusses them out. They set the BTE trigger up again and refuse to do it. Mox tags himself in. Matt lays a hand on Mox's shoulder. Moxley shoves him and paradigm shifts Omega. Does it again? Another paradigm shift and then applies a rear naked choke. Matt and Nick super kick Moxley. Anderson and Gallows intercept Eddie Kingston, who runs out immediately. Eddie Kingston's got a bum leg, but he is—he runs out of the back faster than anyone who's ever come to support anyone ever before. Magic Killer to Kingston. Don Callis implies that he knew this was the plan the whole time. The Magic Killer on Moxley, and they drag Omega on top of him for the pin. One, two, three. Good Brothers pick up Moxley. Bucks hesitate a moment before delivering dual super kicks to his head. Bucks are now definitely heels. They hug it out with the Good Brothers and Omega. Overbooked a little bit. Little, little with the mat refusing to super kick or do anything to, to Omega to then standing there and seeing him eat two DDTs uh, before finally doing the super kick. It's, eh, it is what it is. I, I think they drew it out a little too much. They added a, a little too much on the side uh, to this, uh, to something that could have been a, a simple turn at the end of this match. Uh, and, and also the disqualification aspect of it, that if there are six men in a ring, 3v3, and suddenly five of those men are now beating up on one man, that the match wouldn't just end in a no contest, that in fact, the two opponents can hold a man so he can be kicked in the head by his two allies to then be pinned by the fifth man is a little ridiculous, uh, but at least, uh, Moxley is, is back having no friends in the Bucks and just having Eddie Kingston to wobble out and get his ass kicked, uh, for him. So, it was fine. It was a fine AEW Dynamite. Uh, too many, too many people on this show? The JD Drakes of the world? The women's division? I don't, I don't know what it is. The, uh, the viewership's plateauing. It's not going up. So, you tell me. Do we need a Taz segment with his boys every, every week? Do we need a Sting interview every week? Absolutely, we do not. I would like to see Taz's boys wrestle, if anything. Take both of those things and make it a squash match with uh, with uh, your Ricky Starks or your Brian Cage or something like that. Let's get Hook in the ring. Guy's looking fucking swole to death. Anyway, that's the Sultans. You may have heard this week that one Usher, 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 uh, was accused of tipping strippers with fake money with his face on it. First off, that's bold. And even if this was true, uh, I, I don't know if I would entirely... Listen, uh, you heard me read the list of DMX's arrests uh, earlier in this episode. I don't know that Usher has had quite any allegations or arrests in his in his record. Let's talk about Usher. Okay, so apparently some of the strippers from this joint dropped a dime on Usher who didn't drop a dime on them when they were cleaning up the stage and found a bunch of promotional money with uh, Usher's face on it. Apparently... 
let, let's just read this verbatim here. Uh, a rep for the club where this was uh, said to have happened at, Sapphire in Vegas, spoke to TMZ. And TMZ, they, they get the dirt. Well, I'm sure there's more to this whole thing according to that source. Usher, Usher did not tip it with fake money. He was actually quite generous with his real cash. That source adds that Usher and the group he was uh, with spent thousands on the dancers, plus they got bottle service. The rep says that the club would love to have him back. As for where the Usher dollars came from, sources close to Usher <laughs> say that somebody he was with, meaning not him, put the money on the stage uh, to serve as both a gag and a promotion for his new residency in Las Vegas. The money was not intended as payment, but you can imagine... When the ladies are cleaning up the stage at the end of the night, or however that works. Maybe they rock, paper, scissors, and it's just like, if there's any dollar bills out there left, uh, Pisces, you get it this week. I'm not pulling that name out of my ass. That is a stripper that's cited in this article. Um, Usher may not mind when you dance on that uh, plot. What? Pole? But he's uh, being accused of giving a dancer fake dollar bills with his face on them. Uh, denominations of $1.20 and 100 Now, the thing about this is, in, in a world of NFTs and stuff like that, does Usher, does Ush Bucks now have a value? These are now known of. This went viral. Uh, people were memeing the shit out of Usher uh, with all of this. I would say that a $1 Usher bill is now worth at least twice that. You know what I mean? What if Usher did bring in that fake money and he was just like, listen to me. Someday. This isn't worth anything right now, but someday. And that was, like, already famous Usher saying that. He's like, this is going to be... They're going to meme the shit out of me. You're going to get something for this. Of course, only redeemable uh, for strippers and stripper services, I guess, would be the way to go. He apparently had a uh, residency in, in, in Vegas for a while there. Him, Celine Dion, Britney Spears. It's great. Go see them all. Anyway, that's the show. At Iceberg Podcast is us on Twitter. Leotisiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceiceice